Now, this morning, I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to a passage of Scripture that was read for us, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pick it up at verse 16, and uh, I want you to keep your Bibles open to this passage because uh, it's a kind of an introduction to a series of uh, four messages that we're going to be speaking about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, It all has to do with what God is doing in us, not so much what we do, but what God is doing and forming in our lives. And so we want to encourage you to uh, follow along today, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our minds to God's truth. Father, uh, we love you. We need you so much. Open our minds and our hearts to your truth. Impress upon us the things that will change and transform us to be more and more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The fruit of the Spirit is all about character. And character is what we are at the very core of our being. Character is something that is on the inside of us, but it expresses itself outwardly. It's that part of our lives that only God sees. When by faith we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he pulls out all the bad. He takes all the messes of our life and he transforms us. He pulls us out of the bondage of sin and he places us into his forever family. And at the moment of salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit takes over and begins to mold us and shape us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 that when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is poured out in our hearts through the Spirit who is given to us. And so if you know Jesus Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. He's alive and well within you, and he wants to mold and shape and form you into an image that is befitting of a Christ follower. But there are also times that we need to have fresh fillings. And I believe that the Bible also teaches us that not only must we be open to receiving the Holy Spirit when by faith we believe, but there needs to be continual fillings of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, the Bible says, be being filled with the Spirit. There are times in our lives where we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We may be facing a difficult situation. We may be in a uh, situation that we don't know exactly what to do, and, and, and we need that, that power, that fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, please come and strengthen me and help me. You see, the, the Holy Spirit is, is not some kind of a ghost. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity that lives within us. The Father initiates, the Son executes, but the Spirit dwells within us. And so it's that Holy Spirit that molds us and shapes our characters, and it's the Holy Spirit that produces within us a desire to grow closer and closer to the Lord Jesus. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, we will be pursuing at least five proactive initiatives. Number one, we will hunger and thirst after the righteousness of Christ. We will delight to be in the presence of the living God. 
Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled to the brim. They will be filled to the overflow. God does not hold his blessings back from those that hunger and thirst after his righteousness. And the more we are filled with the righteousness of Christ, the more his character is shaped within us. Number two, we keep our confessions up to date. The moment we sin, we admit it. We don't make excuses for our sins. We don't rationalize our sins. We face them. We keep our confessions up to date. We don't live in our life's journey dragging a bunch of unconfessed sin behind us. The Bible says if we confess our sins, what is God able to do? He's able to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin doesn't have to constantly be dogging our steps. So as we are full of the Holy Spirit, not only do we hunger and thirst after righteousness, but we keep our confessions up to date. Number three, we dedicate our minds and our bodies to the Spirit's control. Our minds and our bodies, we dedicate. We present them as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. We present our bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God. We ask him to renew our minds so that our minds can think Christianly. The Bible, or somebody has put it this way, the only way to, to, uh, to live the Christian life is to think biblically. And we need to fill our minds with God's truth every day so that we are thinking God's thoughts and we use our mind to dwell on that which is above not on the things that are in this world. And then we <clears throat> must also ask for fresh evidences of the Spirit's controlling presence in our lives. Though we receive the Holy Spirit, the moment we believe there are times when we need those special touches from Him. Maybe we need new boldness in witnessing, or we maybe need just a, a fresh touch. We're going through a difficult period in our lives. Uh, and we need that sense of his presence, that sense of his grace. And the Lord Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13 that the Holy Spirit will be given to those who ask him to come in and to strengthen us. And by faith, we accept that filling and we accept that new strength that comes because of the Spirit within. And then lastly, we thank the Holy Spirit for his presence. When we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and take control and we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, we need to be thankful that he is taking up residence in us. He's always there if we believed, but we need to constantly be, be open and, and more sensitive to his leading. I think as I look back on my ministry over these number of years, I wish I'd been much more sensitive to the, what I call the nudges of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and we as his people, we need to feed that new nature, and that new nature is what the Holy Spirit is producing within us each single day, forming us and shaping us to be more like Jesus. Now, as we embark on this lifestyle of being full of the Holy Spirit, we uh, begin to understand what it means to be 
a lifestyle of this, uh, a living in the Spirit, living by the Spirit. And Paul speaks about this here in this particular chapter. Notice he says, I, I, he says, verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit. Down in verse 18, he talks about being led by the Spirit. And then you jump down to verse 25, and he talks about being in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've ever marched in a band, or if you've seen a marching band, you know how important it is that everyone stays in step. They are staying in step. They've practiced for hours to stay in step. And what happens if just one person's out of step? I mean, the whole, the whole thing goes crazy. It really does. And so it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to keep in step with what God is doing in our lives. We need to be people that are walking in cadence with the Holy Spirit. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead us and to direct us, uh, that's what brings joy to our lives as the people of God. Keeping in step is not optional. It is a prerequisite for our spiritual success. If we're going to experience the blessing of God in our own lives more than anything else, we need to stay in step with the Spirit of God. Charles Stanley, in his book, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life, puts it this way. He says, the closer we get to believers who are truly walking in the Spirit or staying in step with the Spirit, the better they look. There's nothing plastic about them. They radiate integrity. They seem to be at peace with who they are. They are the people you find yourself wanting to be like, not because of a particular skill or talent, but because of the depth of their character. You see, you see Jesus Christ in them. They don't have to do anything. You just are aware that Jesus is living within them because their character has been constantly molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of them. And so the Apostle Paul here in the book of Galatians gives us insight into what it means to live in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to stay in step with the Spirit. Verse 16, notice he encourages us to continue on. The, print, the, the tense is a present tense. Continue on living in the Spirit. There needs to be progress. If you're alive in the Spirit, your spiritual life is growing. It's not stunted. It's, it's something that is moving. We are walking. We are keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, he speaks about being led by the Spirit. Here he, he paints the picture of being led as a, a shepherd leads his sheep. The Holy Spirit doesn't coerce us. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't demand anything us, of us. He just gently leads us and he guides us. And he wants us to, to just get close to him so that we can experience the power of his presence in our lives. And as the Holy Spirit opens our hearts and, and helps us to develop these Christ-like characteristics that we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. Uh, that Holy Spirit who is alive and well, he, he chops down all the, the things of the flesh that otherwise would get into our lives and mess us up. Verse 25, he uses even a more descriptive word. He says, stay in step, stay in cadence with the Holy Spirit. 
Follow his footprints. Let me tell you, there is no greater joy in all the world than to be walking in obedience to God, realizing that we have within us a power that is a supernatural power. It's not of ourselves. It is of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he ascended to heaven, he gave to us his spirit who dwells within us. If you are a Christ follower this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And he is alive and well, and he's molding you, and he's shaping you, and he's forming you into the person he desires you to become. And this is, this is, this is what makes the Christian life such an exciting adventure. Now, there are three results that come into our lives when we are walking in cadence with the Holy Spirit. First of all, we accomplish or we fulfill the law of love. <coughs> Excuse me, notice verse 13. It said, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, here it is, we talked about this last week, serve one another in love. In other words, God calls us to into this wonderful freedom, not so that we can live for ourselves, but so that we can live completely, openly, and honestly for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the problem at Galatia was is that they had some Judaizers that had come in and were adding law to grace. The Galatians had been set free through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but these false teachers came in and we're wanting them to add a whole bunch of works to what Christ had already accomplished. And so he reminds the people that they're not saved on the basis of works. They are saved on the basis of what God has done for them through faith and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has set them free from sin. The Holy Spirit is alive within. But he also reminds them there that they must not allow this freedom to be an opportunity. Notice to indulge the sinful nature. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, there's a spiritual war that goes on every single day. All of us face it. The war between our old nature and this new nature that is under the influence, the control of the Holy Spirit. And it's a battle. It's something every one of us face. Let's be honest this morning. There's not a person here that is immune from this battle. As soon as you walk out that door, you're going to have to do battle with the flesh because the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. And Paul says, let's not use that freedom that we have in Christ to indulge the sinful nature, but rather let's serve one another in love. And unfortunately, the Galatians hadn't grasped this principle. In fact, from what Paul says in verse 15, they are out of step with the Spirit. He says in verse 15, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Those words bite and devour paint a picture of wild animals that are clawing at each other. You see, you cannot force people to get along with each other. You can't do that. Unless the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with the love of Jesus, selfishness and competition will always take over. 
And instead of experiencing the blessing of God, we find ourselves many times at war with our flesh, with war with ourselves, and with others all around us. When selfishness and competition rule relationships, it's not long before some of these other problems enter our lives like envy and jealousy and hatred and wrath and all these other things that he speaks about here beginning at verse 19. But it doesn't have to be that way. You see, we can fulfill the law of love as we serve each other in love. And the more we serve each other in love, the stronger our relationship with God becomes and the more sensitive, listen, the more sensitive we are to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. You see, and we, we've got to be tuned in. Uh, we have to make sure our antenna is turned upward so that we can listen to his voice. Keep yourself tender before God. Don't allow anything to come into your life that causes you to draw inward and become hard. Ask God to keep your heart soft. Keep a soft heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to just mold you and make you as you fulfill the law of love, which is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen automatically. That happens as we daily yield our lives to the Spirit's control. So the first thing that happens when we're walking in obedience and walking in line with the Holy Spirit is that we accomplish the law of love. Number two, we avoid the desires of the sinful nature. Charles Stanley makes the point that when we're walking in step with the Spirit, we're able to avoid the moral landmines buried all around us. I can't think of a more accurate picture of what is happening in our country today. We have to navigate around all these, these landmines that the enemy has placed there to blow up our relationship with Christ, to blow up our relationships with each other, and to keep us from experiencing the strengthening power of Christ in our lives. This desire between the sinful nature and the spirit is very real. Paul talks about this over in the book of Romans. Keep your finger there in Galatians uh, chapter 5, but turn over to Romans chapter 7. Notice what he says beginning at verse 14. He says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, Sold as a slave to sin, so I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. <laughs> Ever had that happen to you? Oh my, you, you know you shouldn't do it, but you end up doing it. It's because of this war that's within us. And then you jump down to verses 18 and 19. Notice he says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. How many of us, we want to do good, we want to please God, but we can't carry it out. For what I do is not good, I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You see, you see it, there, there's a battle that's going on. Now, if, verse 20, now, if what I 
I do what I do not want to do. It is no longer I who do it, but sin is living in me that does it. You see, we don't have to succumb to the enemy. (laughs) You see, if you try to live the Christian life in your own strength, you will fail. None of us are stronger, strong enough to do battle with the enemy in our natural state. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Spirit is resident within us. And we need to yield ourselves and be fully aware of the fact that that God himself, the Bible describes it this way, Christ in you, the hope of the Lord. Do you understand this? Christ is living in us. We don't have to succumb to all the stuff that the, the enemy, you know, uh, uh, puts in our pathway. We, we can resist that in the strength of the living Lord. And Paul is expressing the very same thing here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 when he says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. There is a battle, and let me tell you, it is raging greatly today. And that's why it's so important that every morning when we get up, we just say, Holy Spirit, I'm yours today. You take control. <laughs> I need you. I'm going to face battles that are too big for, for, for me to handle, and I need your presence. I need your guidance. I need your direction. And as we experience this energizing presence of the Spirit in our lives, we're able to say no to the desires of our sinful nature. Notice he says, if we live by the Spirit, you will not gratify, here it is, the desires of the sinful nature. The Greek is even stronger here. It says, you will never, no, never gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In other words, the Holy Spirit within us negates the sinful desires that sometimes keep us from developing the kind of character that God wants us to be. He wants to develop us in a Christ-like way. You know, we're all people in process. (laughs) You know, God's not done with any of us yet. Anybody fully formed? Oh, my, I got a long way to go. We're all people in process, and God takes us through experiences to form us and shape us so that we can become more and more like him. And that's why every day we want to just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't know what the day holds, but, man, I don't don't want to let the flesh dominate in any way today. I want to be under your control. I want to be under your influence. Paul goes on to say in this passage in verse 24, notice, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, here it is, this is the key, the sinful nature with its passions and desires. See, what does that mean? It means that when we come to Christ, we acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And he takes all of our sin 
and he covers it with his blood. And we nail our sin to the cross. See, see, but the Christian life doesn't happen automatically. It's a growth process. And there are things that come into our lives where we almost need to daily be nailing the old nature to the cross. And we need to nail it to the cross and let it die. See, that, that, that's, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest problem. We, we, can't, we, we can't hang on to the old and expect God to fill us with his Holy Spirit because when there's sin in our lives and the old nature predominates, it's like throwing a wet blanket on the Holy Spirit who wants to do all kinds of wonderful things in our lives, but he's prevented because we've made a choice to listen to the old man instead of clothing ourselves with Christ the new man. And so we must take our old nature, nail it to the cross. What does the Bible say in Galatians 2.20? I stand crucified with Christ. What does the text say? And I no longer am living, underline it in chartreuse, I no longer am living, but Christ is living in me. And then he goes on to say, the life I live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, we don't live this Christian life in our own power, in our energy. As we crucify that old life, we live by faith in what Christ has done for us. And that's the power that he wants to release in our lives every single day as we continue to trust him. In verses 19 and 20, Paul lists many of the acts of the sinful nature which we as spirit-filled believers must nail to the cross and refuse to habitually practice. Now, he's talking about these sins that we habitually practice, and he talks about them in three uh, categories. First of all, he talks about sensual sins. Number two, he talks about superstitious sins. And then he talks about social sins. Now, you'll note here in the passage, verse 19, five sins fall in the category of sensual sins. Sexual immorality. Okay, that encompasses adultery, illicit sex between married partners, and fornication, which refers to sexual misconduct before marriage. Premarital sex, sleeping around, hooking up. One night stands. Those kind of things are not of God. That's part of the old nature that we need to nail to the cross. Impurity refers to one's mind, which apart from Christ is ever ready to manufacture and carry out evil thoughts. You see, a dirty mind is offensive to God. Do you know that? If, if, you, if you are stimulated or by that stuff that's off color, now, something's wrong in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, you're, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You're, you're allowing the enemy to get you distracted in things that are not for your good. But you don't have to succumb to that. You can be empowered through the Spirit to resist. The Bible says if we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. Debauchery is a readiness for any pleasure. It's used to describe lewdness or sensuality, unrestrained violence. 
Debauchery is wild living. No shame. It's practiced out even in the open. It's, it's, it's unbelievable today what's going on in the open today. I mean, stuff that used to be doing behind closed doors, now it's right out in the open. I mean, it's, it's amazing what's happening. You see, the works of the flesh are all around us. I mean, it's right in our hands. We got that little cell phone. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's right there, always, always nipping at our, nipping at us, getting us curious. Oh, I wonder about, wonder, I wonder about this. But that, that curiosity, don't let curiosity get the best of you. Most individuals that succumb to the flesh succumb because they, first of all, got curious about something they know is wrong. And that's where we have to say, okay, God, you live within me. And I want your Holy Spirit to empower me to overcome those kinds of desires that are not of you. Two sins fall in the category of superstitious sins. That is, idolatry, putting material things or people ahead of God. And witchcraft, it's really a reference to drug usage. We get our English word pharmacy from this particular group word. But eight out of the 15 are what we call social sins. These are things that we as God's people many times are not afraid to commit. Anger and discord and jealousy, and fits of rage and selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. But friends, these are just as... <laughs> these are just as detrimental to our spiritual health as the more grievous sins that sometimes, oh, I, wouldn't, I would never think of doing that. But it's okay to, um, you know, it's okay to get angry. It's okay to get mad. It's okay to rage. It's okay to become envious. See, we, we can rationalize things really good as the people of God. What Paul is saying here, he says, I want you to walk in line with the Spirit. I want you to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to be directing the affairs of your life. And when the enemy and when some of these really horrendous things, you're tempted toward some of these horrendous things, remember, greater is the one in you than he that is in the world, and you can be an overcomer through Christ. Now, Paul gives a very solemn warning here. Look at verse 21. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, those who habitually live for these kinds of things that are not of God, he says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong statement. Now, does that mean if we succumb to one of these vices that all automatically were cut off? No, that's not the case at all. God doesn't just cut us off when we fail. We can repent of that sin. We can experience his forgiveness, and we can turn away from that which we know is evil. What he's talking about here in these passages are habitual sins that we keep going back to again and again and again. And he says, those that keep going back to those habitual sins of the flesh, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But if you're a Christ follower and you succumb to maybe one of those sins or, what, or even, you can confess it. You can 
Ask God to cover it with your, his blood, and he will forgive you, and he will cleanse you and make you brand new from the inside out. Now, lastly, notice we accentuate this fruit of the Spirit, verses 22 and 23. Now, notice the contrast between the fruit of the Spirit and the acts of the sinful nature. Notice the difference in the tenses. He talks about the acts, plural, of the sinful nature in verse 19, but in verse 22, he talks about the fruit singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, <clears throat> when we yield ourselves on a daily basis to the Holy Spirit, and we are sensitive to his nudges, the Holy Spirit is the one who fills us with a sense of God's peace in his presence. Let me put it this way. The fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct of living by the Spirit. We don't pray for fruit. We pray that our lives will increasingly line up more and more with the Holy Spirit. But as we line up with the Holy Spirit, the end result is fruit. Fruit. And, and God wants us to be fruit bearers. And the more fruit we bear, and the more we focus on the fruit of the Spirit, all these other things that the enemy throws at us, all this old stuff from the past, which is covered with the blood of Christ, that no longer holds sway. In other words, we feel more drawn to the fruit than we do to that old way of living. And it's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, forming us and shaping us to be more like Jesus. Now, let me just wrap this up and simply say, we must never forget that the source of all fruitfulness is the living God. He is the source. We need to make sure we are plugged into him. Jesus puts it this way, by their fruits you will recognize them. When people look at your life, do they see the fruit of the spirit or do they see the acts of the sinful nature? Hopefully it's the fruit of the spirit. Spiritual fruitfulness has to do with our inner characters. And spiritual fruitfulness is the character change the Holy Spirit produces within us. Now, over these next three Sundays, we're going to look at these three clusters of fruit. The first cluster is love, joy, and peace. It has to do with our character and relationship to God. The second cluster, patience, kindness, and goodness, has to do with our character in relation to others. And the final cluster, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control has to do with our character and relationship to ourselves. What Jesus wants from each one of us more than anything else, he's looking for Christ followers who will stay in step with him. And do you know who the best model of this is? The best model of this is is Jesus.
when we put our focus upon Jesus, Jesus oozes with each of these fruit. Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace. Jesus is patience. And on and on. The more we focus on Jesus, the more productive we are going to be spiritually and the more we enjoy being in step with the Master. Let's stand together, shall we please, for closing prayer. Father in heaven, more than anything else, you've given us all the resources we will ever need. We don't have to languish. Our characters can be strong because of the Spirit who lives within us. Lord, I pray that each one of us might just say, Lord Jesus, form your character in me today. Yes, there's a battle. Yes, there's a war. But the ultimate victor is Jesus. And as we allow his precious Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us, and produce this fruit within us. That is what brings joy and blessing. Lord, we can hardly contain ourselves when we're walking in step with you. We love you, Lord. You have been so good to us. More than anything else, we want to please you. And so we determine this week, these coming days, as activity will increase, there's a tendency to get out of whack sometimes. Lord, help us to remember that your Holy Spirit is within us. He has changed us, and he's in the driver's seat, and he's going to help us to triumph so that we can be fruit-bearing Christians for the glory of Jesus. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and that sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore we pray. Amen. Good morning. And Maranatha, lo he comes. Have a great weekend in Jesus. God bless you.